You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Tuesday show for you. We are going to talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs that are going on. The numbers are unbelievable. And once again, going to show at the beginning of every baseball playoff season, just flip a coin. Nobody has a fucking clue what's going to happen in these games. It's embarrassing of what's happening to the best teams in Major League Baseball. Um, We've got some more NFL to talk about, how bad the Cowboys were on Sunday night against the 49ers. I've got your NFL and college gambling trends for the weekend. We've got SC and Notre Dame this weekend. It's a big game. The line is a little wonky. More talk on the NFL. Just a lot of stuff to get to, and we'll get to all that momentarily. Let's start off with the Major League Baseball playoffs. (sighs) I mean, how do you even explain this? You can't. Do you realize that going into last night's games, the teams with the five best records in baseball this year, Braves, Orioles, Dodgers, Rays, Brewers, going into last night, 0-8 in the playoffs. They hadn't won a fucking game. 0-8. Those teams went 1-1 one one last night, and that was the Braves win and the Dodgers lose, and that's only because the Braves came back from a four-run deficit in the sixth inning. They were down 4 nothing, or they would have been looking at. So now that stat is 1-9. Braves won the most games in Major League Baseball this year. Orioles were second, Dodgers were third, then the Rays won 99, and the Brewers won 92. Those were your five winners, top five winners in baseball this year. Before last night, the Braves were 0-1 in the series. The Orioles are down 0-2 to the Rangers. The Dodgers 0-1 in their series. The Rays swept in their series by the Rangers 0-2. Brewers swept in their series 0-2 by the Diamondbacks. <laughs> so it's like, well, it's I mean, it's amazing. 162 games, six months, you prove that you deserve to be in the playoffs and your season is over in two fucking games. It's why baseball is... I don't, the thing is, I don't know what you do because this is the way it's kind of always been. A wild card team winning the winning it all in baseball happens way more often than a random team winning it in any other the other big three sports in baseball, hockey, and football. It just does. And I, is there an explanation for it? Because the Braves and Dodgers. Both got to start their best starters on five days rest, full rest, because they didn't have to play for a week. Season ended last Sunday. Their playoffs started this past Sunday, past Saturday. So it's it could go back to what I said, which was giving the teams that drew a bye five days off kind of throws off timing. We only have a small sample size. Last year, the Braves and Dodgers lost in the LDS both in four games. But the Astros and the Yankees, they had buys, and they won their LDS series last year. So it's not like you can say, oh, it's definitely because these two teams had five days off. Well, the Astros and Rangers had five days off, and they won their series. So you can't pinpoint it to that. The only way we can do it is wait maybe another five years. And if the trend is every year we're getting at least two, we're averaging two every year that draw by, losing in the LDS, then maybe you change it to four of seven. I don't know. Best out of seven. I don't know. It does seem to wait a week and then to play a five-game series, and it could be against a team that's in your own division who you've already played 13 times this year, 
clearly it's is it that much of an upset? Yes, I know the Dodgers won 100 games this year, but they got a week off and they played the Arizona Diamondbacks, a team they played 13 times this year. I don't care how many times they beat them. The other team is familiar with them, and the other team hasn't had five days to sit around and do nothing. Not that the Dodgers did nothing, but you know what I mean. They've actually played competitive baseball in the last five days. I do think it doesn't help to sit around. The Dodgers have 10 hits in their first two games against Arizona. Tommy Pham has six hits alone for the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers blew out. What do they have? The second best run differential in all of baseball. They've been outscored, what, 15 to four in this series. It's like, it's like, I know this sounds so cliche, but it's absolute 1000% fact. When you get to the Major League Baseball playoffs, just throw out seeding and throw out what happened in the regular season. It does not matter. If it did, the two number one seeds would play in the World Series every year, and that just doesn't happen. It happens way less often than it should. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the Dodgers win the NL West every year. For whatever reason, this team cannot perform in the playoffs. And I think at this point, for the Dodgers at least, and look, I'm the biggest Dodger homer out there. I want them to win, but even I can be objective when talking about the Dodgers. I'm not making excuses for them. It's just this team, I think, has so much pressure on them now because they know what everyone is saying about them. They know they're like, great, you won another NOS title. Wonderful. Can you do something in the playoffs for us? They know, and the second they fall behind, 6 nothing because Clayton Kershaw can't get more than one person out. It's like, oh, God, here we go again. Falling behind 3 nothing in the first inning of Game 2, the last thing they needed after losing Game 1, 11-2, and falling behind 9 nothing after two innings, 6 nothing after one out is recorded. The last thing they needed was Game 2 fall behind in the first inning yet again. Now, I didn't think the Dodgers were coming back from a 6 nothing deficit after the first inning or a 9 nothing deficit after the second inning in Game 1. However, it would have been nice if they put, you know, maybe put three or four runs on the board in one inning, maybe give the Diamondbacks a little bit of a scare. But they fell behind 9 nothing and then just laid down. They haven't been able to hit the ball. So that's what worried me. I didn't care that they lost 11-2. to The fact that they never got their bats going, I was like, well, this isn't a good sign. It's not like they even made this a game. And then what happens? They fall behind 3-0 after the first inning last night, and they still only score two runs in the game. So technically the game was over after the first inning. Like, And, and it's got to be. I'm telling you, there's no way. I've followed this team long enough. There is no way that this team isn't feeling the heat and feeling the arms around their necks right now, everyone calling them choke artists. Because when you fall behind right away, it gets into your head, and they know that what everyone is saying about them They're great in the regular season, and they suck in the postseason, which they have. That is factually correct. That's not an opinion. It's fact. They have sucked in the postseason for 11 years. They've won one title in the 11 straight years they've gone to the playoffs, and that was in COVID, a 60-game season. I mean, they still won it. They're still recognized as the world champs, but don't tell me there's not an asterisk around it because there is. In my eyes, there is. In a lot of people's eyes, there is. 
I'd like to see them win a championship when they have a great regular season. Now, with that said, going into this postseason, I didn't have a lot of hope for them, not because of their past failures. It's because I believe this is the worst team they've had in the 11 years they've been winning the NL West, or 10 of the 11 years they've won the NL West. This is by far their worst team. So I didn't have many expectations going into this series. You could have told me, hey, Steve, before this series, I'm coming from the future. I'm telling you right now, the Diamondbacks are going to sweep them. I'd be like, can't say I'm surprised. I can't believe this team won 100 games. With the amount of injuries they've had, Dustin May, Walker Bueller not coming back, Clayton Kershaw out for a few months, Tony Gonsolin out for the year. Like, they have no starting pitching. They're calling up these AAA guys. And, yeah, they pitched well during the season and won them 100 games, but this is – I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not, and nobody should be. Then you've got the Texas Rangers, on the other hand, who were the streakiest team in all of baseball, completely blew their chance of getting a week off, and you know what? That week off probably would have led to them losing the LDS series because look at the way they're playing. Having blown the ALS chances, they had to go on the road and play the Tampa Bay Rays. They win two games. Then they go straight up to Baltimore, the team that won 101 games, best team in the American League record-wise, and they win the first two games in Baltimore. They're 4-0 in the playoffs, and they've outscored Baltimore and Tampa by like 17 runs. Like complete domination. Now, I've watched the Texas Rangers all year. They could turn around and lose three in a row. I don't think they will. They just need to win one of these next three. But if they did... You can't say, oh, my God, didn't see that coming because this is a team that would win six in a row and then follow it up by losing eight of ten for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> like, So as hot as they've been for these four games they've played in the playoffs so far, they can easily, their bats can easily go silent. I hope they don't. I hope they make it. I hope they win tonight. And they're in the AL, uh, and they're in the ALCS. That'd be great especially if they play Houston. I mean, that would be Rangers-Houston ALCS would be big out here. For the Metroplex, I mean, these two teams do not like each other. So I think it'd be a great ALCS. But Houston has their work cut out for them playing Minnesota. All I know is I put in three baseball bets at the beginning of this season. The Rangers to win more than 82 and a half games already cashed that. I have the Rangers to win the AL pennant at 24 to 1, and I have the Rangers to win the World Series at 48 to 1. It looks like they are going to be in the ALCS. So I don't have I have the ability to hedge out of that. But if they can just get to the World Series, again, I'm guaranteeing myself uh some winning money here. So I don't know what's gonna happen. If I did, we'd all be rich. But baseball playoffs, I guess my all I can say to you is it is so ridiculously wonky, there's no way to predict any of this stuff. It is just damn near impossible. Throw away what happened in the regular season. Throw away what happened in the last two weeks of the season. Who was playing well? Who wasn't? The Texas Rangers, perfect example of that. As I just said, the Texas Rangers lost, went 2-5 and five in the last week of the season um, to lose the AL West title, which forced them to play in a wild card series against the team that won the second most games in the AL. They win that. They go to play the team that won the most games in the AL, and they've won the first two games of that series. So, Two and five to end the season, lose the AL West, and now they've went four and zero in the first four games they've played in the playoffs. It's just you can't explain it. 
there's no point to. So that's it for my baseball knowledge. And uh, let's go Rangers tonight. As for some NFL stuff to get to, the San Francisco 49ers are an absolute juggernaut. The Philadelphia Eagles are an absolute juggernaut. It, it would be a stunner at this point if the Eagles and Niners aren't playing for the NFC Championship. I think it would be a disappointment. I think all of us want to see the Niners and the Eagles playing for the NFC Championship. They're the two best teams in football. There's only two teams in the NFL right now undefeated, Niners and um, Eagles. There's only two teams in the AFC that have one loss. <laughs> the Chiefs and Dolphins are both 4-1. and one. Everyone else in the AFC has two losses or more. Try figuring out that conference and who's going to make the playoffs there. You can forget it. Now, for me, there's a couple things that I want to talk about. San Francisco has won 14 straight regular season games. They've won 12. They've won and covered 12 straight home games. I mean, they are just an absolute juggernaut. And barring a major injury to a major player, at worst they're going 13 and four this season. And even that might be uh, that might be giving them not enough credit. Did you see what the uh, Sunday night game is next week? The Giants at the Bills. How many fucking times do we have to put the New York Giants on primetime football? And not only that, in the first six weeks of the season, this will be their fourth primetime game in six weeks. The Giants. And they're about to be one in five because they're not beating the Bills in Buffalo next week. I don't know about the line in terms of who's going to cover right now. I think Buffalo's 14.5-point favorites. You probably couldn't set that line high enough. Bills should beat them fairly handily. But, you know, the, the Giants stayed in the game against Miami. Miami was laying 13 against them, and they won by 16. So the Giants were right there. But I just, I, please, I, I got to believe this is the last one, right? The Giants aren't getting five primetime games this year, are they? I cannot believe they've had four in the first six weeks of the season, and they're going to lose all four. They just suck. The one game the Giants won this season, they were down 20 to nothing at halftime. Just think, if they didn't have that miraculous comeback against the Arizona Cardinals in Week 2, the Giants would be 0-6 after next week. <laughs> Yikes. And how about this? The Dallas Cowboys have played five games. They're 3-2, and two, and every single one of their games have been decided by double digits. The Minnesota Vikings are 1-4, and four, and every single one of their games has been a one-score game. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota is just that team that's just going to be there every week, that's going to be in the game. I might want to include the Minnesota Vikings in every single 10-point teaser the rest of the year because clearly they're either going to win the game and the 10-point tease is going to be an automatic winner or they're going to lose and they're going to keep it close. Just, just the way they are. They just Everything's a one-possession game with them. Last year they played 11 one-possession games and they were 11-0. This year, and then they got to the playoffs and they played a one-possession game and went 0-1. This year they are 1-4 on the season and all five games have been decided by one possession. So <laughs> it's like... How do you even determine who's good and who isn't? You got two undefeated teams five weeks into the season. That's it? I just swear I remember back in the day growing up as a kid, there was always like four or five teams in the NFL that were undefeated after week five. Now it's just like there's so much parity. It is hard to pick games every single week. It is You just almost have to go against the grain and just be like, who played like absolute dog mess last weekend? Oh, this team did? Okay, I'm 
I'm betting that they're going to win this week because that's the way things have gone. Look at the numbers gambling-wise in the NFL. So we've played 78 games total. In the first four weeks, there were 16 games every week times four. That's 64 games. There was only 14 games in the NFL this week because we had uh, four teams on a bye. So 78 games have been played in the NFL this year. The Dogs have covered 35 of the 78 games. And of those 35 games that underdogs have covered, 28 of them won outright, which means out of 78 total NFL games this year, the spread has mattered in seven of them. Seven games out of 78 are the only ones where you're like, if I'm going to bet this game, the spread really matters. Because every other game, you just pick the winner, you covered the spread. I'm going to say it every week. I'm going to throw these numbers at you. For the week, it was seven favorites that covered and seven underdogs that covered. And over-unders were five overs and nine unders. So keep that in mind for next week because when we have had one of the over or unders dominate one week, the very next week it came back and it was domination the other way. Not saying it's going to be, but I think we tend to go, things tend to even out when it talks about that stuff. So five unders this, uh, five overs this week and nine unders. Maybe next week we get, you know, uh, there's only, there's 15 games next week because only two people have buys. Two teams have buys. So maybe next week when 15 games you get, you know, 10 overs and five unders. We'll see, but we're keeping track of it all. I just think it's an amazing stat that 28 of the 35 underdogs that have covered this year have won outright in the NFL. It's just if you're going to bet underdogs in the NFL, bet them on the money line as well. Just have to pick the right ones every week because every week we're getting at least, if I'm not mistaken, through five weeks, every week there's been at least five underdogs that have covered the spread. I think last week was the, was the week that had the fewest, and that had five. Yeah, it was um, only five dogs covered last week. Three of them won outright. So, yeah, that was the, the lowest week of underdogs covering. This week, like I said, seven out of 14, half the games uh, were covered by an underdog, and six of those seven won outright. As for college football, USC is at Notre Dame this week. USC is 6 and 0. Notre Dame is th- uh 4 and 2 or 3 and 2. They have two losses. Yet Notre Dame is a 3-point favorite over USC. You're just like, "Wait, what? I know Notre Dame's at home, but Notre Dame just got blown out by Louisville. They lost to Ohio State. USC is 6 and 0. Why are they underdogs at Notre Dame?" Well, dating back to 2015. This comes from Chris Felica. From Fox Sports, dating back to 2015, there have been 14 instances before the bowl games where a team that was 6-0 and or better was an underdog against a two-loss team. In those 14 instances, 11 times the 6-0 and team lost outright, including USC last year when they lost to Utah, 43-42 as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. So they covered but they lost. So do you want to bet them again, thinking they might lose to Notre Dame, but it's close enough and you'll take the three? I don't know. But it just goes to show Joe Public is going to look at this line and be like, 
six and zero, and they're underdogs to a two-loss team. Well, just know that eleven of the fourteen times that has been the case since twenty fifteen, that six and zero team or that undefeated team has lost the game outright eleven of the fourteen times. Keep that in mind heading into Sunday. And finally, I want to just get back to this. I totally forgot this point when I was talking about the Dodgers and baseball, and I talked about how Clayton Kershaw only got one out in game one, gave up six runs. He's the first pitcher in Major League Baseball playoff history to give up five runs before recording an out. And Clayton is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Clayton is going to probably have a statue in front of Dodger Stadium when he retires one day. However, his postseason failures are just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. You'd be like, what are you talking about, Steve? Clayton Kershaw has four Cy Young Awards. He is a 700 winning percentage in baseball, a career 2.5 ERA. I mean, this guy has over... 100 more wins than he does losses as a pitcher in the regular season in his career. Yet his postseason record is 13 and 13 and his ERA is four and a half. How do you explain that? You, you can't. And you don't want to call him a choke artist, but again, it's just one of these things where that's a large enough sample size. He's had 26 decisions in postseason starts, and he's 13-13 and 13 with an ERA that's two runs higher than what he pitches to during the regular season. So there's something to be said for, basically, whatever happens to Clayton Kershaw in the postseason, you can't be surprised by. Do you expect him to get one out and get removed from the game after giving up six runs? No, but you can just chalk that up to another horrible Clayton Kershaw postseason game that he pitched. I mean, two runs higher as a postseason pitcher than as a dominant regular season pitcher, It's I, you throw your hands up. Another reason why baseball is so wonky, because that's unexplainable. You can't explain that. It doesn't make any sense. You could say, well, he was injured. Well, in times that he wasn't injured, he's pitched bad in the postseason. He had a great postseason run in 2020, and what a shocker. If I'm not mistaken, Clayton Kershaw went 4-1 in the postseason in 2020 when the Dodgers won the World Series in COVID. He went 4-1 that year. In 2017, he went 4-0. So in 2017 and 2020, he went 8-1 in the playoffs. You take away those two seasons, 5-12? So basically, he's only had two good postseasons even though he's 13 and 13 and he's pitched in the postseason in 2008, 2009, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. He's pitched in 10 postseasons. In two of them, he was eight and one. In eight of them, he was five and 12. I don't know how in the world you explain this to anybody. Regular season, dominant. Career record, you know what his career record is? 210 and 92, a 695 winning percentage. Career ERA, 2.48. 
He's led the league in ERA five times. He's led the league in games started twice. He's led the league in shutouts three times. He's led the league in innings pitched once. He's led the league in strikeouts three times. He's led the league in whip four times. Hits per nine innings three times. Like, just three Cy Young Awards. I said four earlier. He said three Cy Young Awards. Won the MVP one year. But ever since 2016, he's never pitched more than 178 innings in a season. So it's not like, and granted, he's older. He's 31 years, I mean, he's 35 now. But in 2016, when he was 28 years old. So since he's been since he's been 28 years old, he hasn't pitched more than 175 innings in a season. So you can't sit there and be like, oh my God, well, Steve, he's pitching 220, and 220 a year, 250, he's just racking up a bunch of innings. No, he hasn't. Not pitching 175 innings since 2016? Over 175 innings. 78. Since 2016, here are his innings pitched. 149, 175, 161, 178, 58 in the 60-game season. 121, 126, 131. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Technically, five of those seasons since 2016 don't even qualify him for the ERA title. You have to have 162 innings pitched. Five of those seasons, he didn't reach that. (laughs) So you can't say he's overworked. Overworked in that he's pitched 2,700 innings in his career because he's been around since 2008. But I, I just I throw my hands up. I, I cannot figure this guy out whatsoever. It's frustrating as a Dodger fan because he is so likable. He is so Dodger. You don't want to see him ever in another uniform. But my guess is either he retires at, after this season or he's going to be pitching for somebody else next year. I think the Dodgers are going to cut bait with him because as much as they love him and as much as he is Dodger blue through and through, I think you just can't rely on him anymore. He gets injured every year, and he's not a help in the postseason. Period. End of story. The numbers bear it out. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow along in Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review when you can. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another daily roundup. Tell your friends, or Sports Daily, tell your friends about it. Got some good gambling statistics for you. Got some great baseball statistics for you. Hopefully, pass those along to your friends. Impress your friends with that. But, um... Yeah, baseball playoffs are just uh, so wonky. <laughs> you just you can't even explain them. There's no point to even try. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.